guys this is influencers global ministries and this is the influencers network podcast and we are going to start broadcasting some uh, different topics and uh, conversations uh, with men who've been transformed by influencers and by the journey and who've learned about abiding in christ and so we're excited to see where this takes us but we just want to have a chance to communicate to you some exciting things that we've seen and and, and communicate in a new way. We've had a lot of uh, blogs and, and written communication, but we realize that a lot of you guys are driving around and uh, doing your jobs during the day, and we want to have a, an ability to communicate to you uh, via the spoken word. So this morning, I've got our founder here, Rocky Fleming, and uh, we're at the Global Office in Bentonville, Arkansas. And I thought for our very first podcast, uh, what we should really kind of focus on is the influencer story, Rocky. Um, we've... Uh, a lot of guys know about how influencers got started, but there's a lot of guys out there who may not have any idea. And the, the history of the ministry kind of tells uh, how the message came about. And uh, there's a lot we could talk about. But, uh, Rocky, let's just kind of start with uh, back in, uh, I guess I want to, you can take it far, as far back as you want to, but let's just talk about the origins of uh, the message of abiding, maybe, and, and how that led to the formation of the first journey group. But let's just go back and kind of start where the message came from. All right, good. Good morning. Uh, well, the uh, I think most people would know that the first journey group occurred in 2001. And, uh, and what I did was simply take uh, seven men and ask them a question. And that was, would they join me uh, in uh, pursuing a deeper relationship with Christ? that I knew that there was more of him that I needed and there was more of me that he wanted. And I asked them if they would go on this journey with me and that I would help them get there if they'll help me get there. Now, where is there? <laughs> That's the question. Mm -hmm. There is um, what we find in John 15, uh, an abiding relationship with Jesus Christ. And as you know, this is the message of influencers and that is that we feel that we are being invited to an abiding relationship with Christ and it's there and there alone that true biblical transformation can occur in a man's life. Now why is this uh, revolutionary? Well now we have to back up and go several years because I was a, a Christian at a young age but there was so much about the Lord I did not know. I guess you would say I knew of him, but I didn't really know him. Did he know me? Yes, he did. He uh, loved me. He, he pointed to me and he said, I want you as mine. And I responded. But for several years, I operated in darkness. I really didn't know what it meant to, to really follow Christ. Uh, I followed the crowd. I went to the church, went to church and churches. Uh, I did a, lo a lot of good things, more bad things than good things. I just didn't know really how to 
handle some of those things as I matured. And I think that, that the Lord treated me as a child, and he allowed this child to, uh, little by little by little, get to know him better. And then when I began to know him better, I began to understand some critical things that I had not learned in the early stages. Because you see, what happened was uh, I became a performance-driven Christian. I was trying to make up for a lot of darkness years, and I couldn't get the guilt off of me. Uh, the accuser's really good about that, by the way, not letting you get out from under his accusations. But then, uh, in my 30s, I came to understand more deeply about what grace is and how grace not only forgives us and sets us free, but it enables us. And it began to be another journey with the Lord from that point on to understand what it meant to walk by grace. Now, that was a long, hard journey because it's not easy for us to walk by grace. It's a lot easier for us to work and, and be performance-driven. And as an athlete, I pretty much identified that if I was going to be, uh, you know, doing my best for Christ, I needed to be a superstar of Christ. I needed to do a lot of good things. And I did. I, I poured myself into trying to make disciples using the various programs that were out there. And if you would measure me on the meter of activity, then I was there. I was doing the, the activity thing. But there were some things that were discouraging, and that is as long as I was meeting with men and taking them through these programs, then there was this horizontal accountability with them. But uh, after that was over, it was not sustainable. And a lot of them kind of went back to their old ways. Uh, we were doing good things. We were, we, you know, we were using the, introducing the disciplines of discipleship, which is verse memorization and, and Bible study, uh, uh, sharing your testimony, uh, learning how to share your testimony, learning how to lead somebody through the plan of salvation, uh, teaching them how to have quiet times. All of those were really good disciplines, but there was something missing. It was not sustainable. And in my frustration, even with my own uh, walk with Christ, I began to ask the question, what's missing? And in 1985, I reread John 15 as I had never read it before. Because when I read John 15, what I read was that I could not bear fruit unless I was abiding with Christ. And when I started to be look at that and started to challenge myself, I began to understand why I was so frustrated because I was trying to bear the fruit artificially. I was trying to make it happen with the works of man. And I was trying to change people with the works of man and trying to get those people to change by their works. And we were out of kilter. I saw hope for the first time that what was wrong was that my mission was not to bear fruit. My mission was to abide in Christ, and I was missing it. Mm. And that's the beginning of the next several years of trying to really understand that, what that looks like personally. And it was uh, in 1995, uh, which would be 10 years later, 
after a lot of trial and errors uh, in trying to understand what that meant to abide with Christ, it, I was gaining on it, but there was still something missing. And what was missing was uh, something that I read in uh, Hannah Whithall Smith's book, the, the Christian Secret of Happy Life. And she was saying that if you want to really truly experience this deeper inner life with Christ, then consecration will be required. And that was a word that, you know, I, I didn't know what consecration was. I, I, I thought it meant dedication. But she went on to say that consecration will require personal abandonment and absolute trust. And that was a key to me because I realized that I was holding back, that I was not entering in fully into this intimate relationship with Christ because I was trying to treat, uh, keep some controls on the, on the thing. I wanted a back door, which most guys do want back doors. And, uh, and I came to understand the Lord was saying, you can't have a back door and go forward. You've got to go all the way. And that's what consecration means. It means be sold out. Now, it begins with a dedication, Brian. And in 1995, I made that dedication. And I said, Lord, whatever you want of me, um, here it is. Whatever you want, I'm, I'm willing to, to go that route. Now, I will uh, give you a caution. <laughs> when a man does that, then the Lord will uh, begin to re reshape him. And, you know, I read something by Chambers one time. In fact, it, it's, the, it's the basis of this new book that I've written, Forged for Vision, that he said that when a man gives, uh, when God gives a man a vision, uh, it's, it's really kind of vague. But that vision is actually not about what that man will do, but the vision of that, what that man will be hmm. or who he'd be. And he says, and he, he generally takes you to the mountaintop and shows you the vision, then he takes you down to the valley and he punches you around. <laughs> yeah, he, he's, going to, he's going to take you through the furnace. Uh, he's going to, in my case, he had to sift me and, uh, and break me. But breaking is not a shattered life, which a lot of people feel that that's why they're afraid of it. They're thinking if I'm broken by the Lord, I'm just going to be broken to pieces and laying on the ground and shattered and all that. That's not what breaking means. Breaking means to have a breakthrough. Mm. In, in our stubborn resistance of God so that he in turn can make his way to the surface of our life. And that's when we see the fruit of the Spirit in a man's life. And so it was in 2001 that the Lord then said to me, now show other people what I'm showing you. And uh, that's what it's always been about, Brian. It's not to try to change a person. And it's not even to try to, in, 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 it's kind of hard to say this, but really not to disciple a person. Truth is, I don't really think I disciple anybody. I don't think this ministry disciples anybody. I think that we get a person into proximity with Christ and the Holy Spirit will disciple his person, his man, his woman. That's our mission. 
And the best way to get them there is to go there ourselves and then look back and say, come and go with me. Come and see who I'm seeing and hear what I'm hearing. Because if we do that and then they connect with him, buddy, it's game over for us. We don't have to continue to manage that guy or control that guy. We allow that guy to join with us. And that's what we've seen develop with this ministry. We have an organism that is growing rapidly because people are understanding what we're being invited to. And we're walking in proximity with Christ and it is changing our lives, changing our world, changing our families. That's the message. Let me back up, Rocky, before you go further. I, I know that you shared it with a group of men in, in 2001, right? You, but before you shared it with them, you probably kind of test drove it in your own life, right? So yeah. t- tell, me, tell me what you experienced in your own life to, to validate that this was the truth of Scripture. What, tell me what you saw in your own life before you even shared it with that first group. Well, that's a good question because I, let me back up a little bit and say that when I, I made that declaration, things were difficult. Uh, but there's a reason they're difficult, because uh, the Lord will begin to uh, reshape us for the vision he has in mind for us. And one of the things that had to be wrestled for me was a lot of the defenses that I, I put up for myself. Uh, I think everybody's got that. They don't, they don't want to be taken advantage of. They don't want to be hurt. They don't want to be betrayed. They don't want to be lied to. And whatever. And, you know, our manhood sometimes, our code of honor says, well, I got to get even. <laughs> and I got I to gotta punish that person. And from the background of uh, football and the violent sports that I was in and the temperament that I had, that was something that God had to break. He had to remove that from me. And it was painful. And, you know, there's a scripture that I, I find it interesting, uh, the scripture that says that no temptation has overtaken you, but, su- God, but such as is common to man. God is faithful to not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able. But with the temptation, provide the way of escape, and also that you may be able to endure it. With the temptation. And I, I used to think, what does that mean? With the temptation, provide you the way of escape. Well, God wanted me to escape the old nature that I had. And he had, to have, he had to have me face those things, those very things that I was so frightened of. But he also told me, now you be quiet and let me handle this for you. Now that goes against my instincts. <laughs> my instincts as a defensive end was to, man, I react, react, react. And God was saying, not, not now, son. Then I want to take you deeper. I want to remove that from you. And he allowed some very difficult things to come in my life uh, so that I could see him. It was not to hurt me. It was to change me. And it was also to prove himself to me. Now, it's interesting because... When, when we start doing that, you know, we believe this, that if you seek him, you will find him. And, you know, there's something that we feel a little bit vulnerable in because 
our mission is to get a person to Jesus Christ. That's, that's it. We don't have anything to prop it up. It's him. So we try to position everything we do in the journey and in in everything we do in this ministry is to move a man into proximity of Christ. Now, if Jesus is not there waiting for him, then we don't have anything else to offer. And we're okay with that because he's always there waiting for them if they're really seeking him. And that's the way it was with me, Brian. I was really seeking him. And that's my, my uh, declaration to consecrate my life before the Lord had to be tested. But the test, what they do is they prove your dedication. But they also transform you along the way and form you into the man God has in mind. And honestly, the man deep down you long to be. I didn't want to be that old guy. I didn't want him. He was eating me alive inside. And he broke those chains. And, and to answer your question about what happened to me before I ever started trying to help other people see it, well, that's what's absolutely essential is because we cannot take somebody to a place that we're not there ourselves. Now, there is a dynamic, and that is we help ourselves get there if we take somebody along with us. That's what discipleship's all about. You know, to be a disciple, we're, we're to make disciples, but to make disciples, we've got to be a disciple. So it kind of works hand in glove. So that was the, that was the process. You know, the, the, there, there were a lot of uh, health issues that came along with it. Uh, and uh, it's, it's interesting because the kind of thing I had uh, created a tremendous amount of pain, but it did not debilitate me in the ministry. In fact, it, it, it created a greater ministry dynamic. Uh, you know, I've heard the scripture say that, or not the scripture, but I heard the, the thoughts say that, that on the mountaintop, uh, the Lord whispers to us, but in our pain, he shouts. And not just physical pain, but emotional and mental. And I think the reason why is because we're tuned in. We're, we're really wanting to know what's going on here, Lord. And he was shouting to me. He was shouting to me in the, in the physical pain that I was in for about 16 years with a broken leg that wouldn't heal. And every time I would stand, it would separate. And I won't get into that. I mean, <laughs> people don't want to talk about their medical issues. Maybe they won't talk about them too much and people don't want to hear them. And I'm not going to bore you there, but I'll just simply say that it was a communication. It opened the communication line to me. And then, then it also helped me start to see the Lord. And the, and the more I saw him, the more beautiful he became. And the better I could hear him, the more I loved the words. And then when I would share these things with others and, and watch their face light up and watch their lives change when they began to see him like I was seeing him and hear him like I was hearing him, then I can't tell you how much that delighted me to join that, to be a part of that, to be privileged to be a part of watching God go after a man's heart and letting me be a part of his outreach. Let me just stop you right there but and just ask you, so 
it's very evident that, that you knew you were onto something, something new in your own life, and maybe something different than what you'd seen in your church experience or men's ministry experience. And so there came a point when you said, I got to grab some guys and maybe let's go somewhere. Let's, or let me try to impart this to them, right? Tell me about the formation of the first group and why, why you thought it needed to be a small group or you know, what was your thinking in, in starting the journey? Because yeah. the curriculum hadn't been written. It was kind of written in the first group, right? I wrote it then, yeah. So, so tell me about that experience and what caused you to do that. Well, the, the first thing I have to tell you is that I have never had a vision for where we are. I really have not. And I, I didn't really have a vision for where I am right now. As a writer, I wanted to do stuff like that. There was something in me that wanted to get out. <laughs> but, you know, again, the Lord was telling me that you've, you've had a lot of years of trying to be a self-made man and how'd that work out for you? And, and I realized that mm, when I said, take me and use me as you want, that meant if he wanted me to wash dishes, if he wanted me to start mowing yards, and if that's his choice, then I'm, I'm there. So. I, I didn't I didn't see anything other than the fact that I wanted to start start sharing some of the things that God was showing me. Now the the first group of men were uh, all businessmen that I knew, or some friends that I knew that were businessmen. Um, and uh, two of the businessmen were uh, men that that I was privileged to to lead to Christ. And the, the great joy of that is that they were yet unchurched and they had not developed any bad habits and it was kind of like a free slate for them so I could enter right into their life uh, trying to, to bridge a relationship through Scripture rather than just the knowledge through Scripture. You see, the relationship has got to come through knowledge, but knowledge does not necessarily mean it leads to the relationship. And that's the difference of what we're trying to do is that a Bible study will create good theological knowledge and maybe a knowledge of doctrine, but there's got to be a bridge. It has to bridge from knowledge to the heart, and it's done through personal application of the Scripture to a person's life and learning how to have conversation with God. And, of course, you know this. This is the key part of the journey is teaching men how to self-feed and and then how to uh, journal, and then to also journal through things that deal about the relational God we have and how that works its way into our life. So that was my mission, was to take these men to that place as I went there myself, how to deepen, how to understand what this John 15 passage about abiding is, what are the hindrances that get in the way of that, it was a little bit of a petri dish because uh, I, I hadn't yet formulated everything into uh, what I would say is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach you guys this. That wasn't the way it was. It was that we would meet every two weeks, and between the two weeks, I would, I would put together my thoughts and scriptures and everything that is now the journey. It was written that first year uh, between sessions. It was listening to the Lord. And I've been told that it's, uh, it's kind of a, uh, it's a natural flow 
it starts at certain points of trying to create some understanding about this God that we know or serve or have heard of. A lot of us have different concepts of God, um, and some of those are incor incorrect concepts of God. And a lot of people out there, the concept of God is, is based on what they've heard from other people. But they've never had an opportunity just to read Scripture and think through it, meditate, meditate on it, pray through it, and, uh, and come to see Him as He really is. So we have to undo a lot of things. So there's some undoing in, in trying to rebuild a foundation. But then when we start building a solid foundation about this relational God that we have, and how it's opened the door to enter into this intimacy with him, then we begin seeing what we've been missing in our Christian life for years and years and years, that we have a knowledge of him, but we've never really entered into that deeper intimate relationship with him. And that was my mission, Brian, was to take those men to that place. And I didn't know exactly how to do it at first, but the Lord began downloading to me. And again, remember now, this is the most painful, physically painful period of my life right there. Walking around with just excruciating pain. And he was downloading to me insights. Uh, in fact, the Journey to the Inner Chamber was written then, the uh, Prayer Cottage, Sacred Garden was written then, the Journey was written then. Those are the foundations of all we're doing here. And, uh, and I just think that I was listening to him and, and I understood this though, that I could hear him better if I was helping other people find what I was finding. It's just a positive reinforcement. You know, there's a scripture in Ephesians 6, 8 that says this, that, that knowing this, the good we do to others, God himself will come and do the same to us. And I read that and I say, wow. If I can help somebody else find him that way, that means he's going to help me find him that way as well, more deeply. And that's why I continue to mentor and disciple men, because I'm, I'm still hungry to know him better. Well, do, you remember, uh, do you remember seeing the light bulb go off for these original guys? Do you remember any moments of breakthrough that that those guys had? Do, do you kind of remember where, where you knew that this didn't resonate with you, but it was resonating with other people too? Well, you know, uh, that's, a, that's an interesting question because I didn't have any preconceived ideas about anything. In fact, after we got through with the first group, uh, I was ready to do what I do generally, and that is to form a new group and start pouring into some other men. And I had no vision for anything other than just to say, guys, I hope that this has helped you go with God and be blessed, and I'm going to get another group of guys. And, and uh, two of the men there, uh, or three of them, actually said, no, no, Rocky, we, we can't stop this. We've got, we've got to continue to meet a little while longer because we've, we've got to determine what we do with this because there are a lot of people out there that need this. And that was the first indication to me that, that I was looking at an organic reproducing process that God had given us 
And it certainly wasn't me. It was him. And those men <clears throat> began forming their own groups. And it was cumbersome at first because I was having to give them my notes. Now, I hadn't developed it as it is now from the standpoint of being able to be user-friendly and supported and all the other things we do. That's We've had many renditions to get it to this point, but then, man, it was... They were struggling, and they were coming to me all the time saying, now, what were you meaning by this? And, and they were telling my stories rather than their stories, and it, it's funny. But they were doing the same thing. They were trying to get people to that intimate abiding relationship with Christ, and sure enough, we were seeing the same things happening with those other people. Even though our efforts with the curriculum was cumbersome and, and certainly not very well laid out, uh, God was faithful to still flow through those men now because now they were connected. They were walking with Christ and they were helping other people by telling them, come and let me show you what I'm seeing about this wonderful Jesus that we have as our Savior. And now through the years, we've seen a multiplication process that's actually gone across the nation and across worldwide. Uh, and again, it's, it's one of those things we, we, we're astounded because we've never had any vision to build a ministry. We've only had a vision to be faithful to carry a message. But we do feel that we've joined with the Holy Spirit. He is our leader. He's my leader. And I, and I think that the truth is the things that, uh, that he has shown me and he's showing people like yourself and many of our other leaders. Uh, it's consistent. It's consistent. It's, it's about your relationship with him and about his ability to have his way with your life. And it always goes outward. It always reaches other people. And that's what's happened. Yeah, and, and Rocky, I, when I'm training uh, guides, new guides, I, I always tell them they're doing nothing different than what you did in the very first group. It's just them wanting to go on their own journey to intimacy with Christ, and they're asking some people to go with them. You get the same thing you just said, I'll help you get there if you help me get there. And you don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to be a theologian. Any man can do this, right? That's right. Well, you know, this, this is only a 2,000-year-old idea <laughs> that uh, Jesus gave his disciples when he told them to go make disciples, and he told them to teach them what I've taught you. Now, isn't that what it's all about? It's what we're trying to help other people see that he's teaching us. That's discipleship. And if it's, if it's about Jesus, and if it's about our relationship with him, to abide with him, to not let anything get in the way of abiding with him. And that's, a Christian is saved by grace. And we can live outside of an abiding relationship. I do believe that. And the majority of people do, honestly. They're not really enjoying the depth of what we can have in our relationship with, with the Lord. And, and that's a shame because they're missing so much in the form of not only the fruit that's born, but the joy in being uh, hooked up with him like that. And so, you know, our, our mission is to help people see that to see what's missing to find it 
And honestly, Brian, I, I do believe I have a great concern about this country, but I have a greater concern about the church in this country. Uh, I have a concern for churches in this country. Uh, but I do believe with all my heart if we could see these churches and Christians, the big C in this country, coming to see Jesus and hear him like we have heard him in these last several years in this abiding relationship that he gives us that the church and the churches in this country will experience a transformation and I do believe it will usher in a great awaking and I'm praying for that. That's right, that's right. Well, okay. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to stop there, Rocky. Thank you for your time. And uh, we're going to, I look forward to future podcasts where we can kind of unpack some more of the things that we're seeing and, and even some different guys maybe giving their testimonies of, of things they've seen. But uh, if you're out there and uh, you'd like to know more about how to do a journey group, which is this discipleship process that God gave Rocky 16 years ago, uh, just find us on our website, influencers.org. Uh, I'm Brian Craig. I'm the executive director, and I'll be glad to help you get a journey group started in your city if there's not already journey groups uh, out there where you are. But anyway, thank you for your time. This is the Influencers Network, and uh, we will talk to you next time. Thank you. Thank you.